Hi everyone, this is Jack from the Cardboard Herald wishing you a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, and hopefully a much, much better 2021, which by contrast, you know, we could get just about anything and it would be an awesome year. But because this is going up on Christmas Day, I thought it would be perfect for us to have a casual Friday where we go through a top 10 list of something a little bit more sentimental. You know, get into the little squishy reasons why we love a game that aren't necessarily quantifiable by other metrics other than that we have reasons why we love them so here's my list and hopefully by the end you know a little bit more about me and would be willing to share some of the reasons why you love those games that you love even if you can't quite explain it through conventional means so here we go Coming in at number 10 is Santorini. Santorini, like several games on this list, are actually pretty recent games, so they're not something coming directly from my childhood, but they tap into something that that is intrinsic about why I love gaming. And while I did play things like, say, Magic the Gathering as I was growing up, I still was a kid who wanted to play chess and checkers and backgammon and go all the time. I loved those classic abstract strategies games and nothing nothing in the hobby has come close to delivering on that in such a, a, a visceral and immediate way as Santorini has and it, it just is this crunchy lovely puzzle that is so quick to learn it's so approachable but it rewards skilled play it's something that I love playing with younger family members it's something that is easy enough for me to teach just about anyone and if any person has played any sort of board gaming in the past they can at least grasp the fundamental aspects of the game and then you can start diving into strategy it's a great gateway game and it's just an all-around fantastic abstract strategy that brings me back home number nine is the opposite of that. We are going back to my childhood. I mentioned Magic the Gathering earlier, but my first true hobby gaming love was Dragon Dice. And I still talk about Dragon Dice to this day on this channel, and I'm so happy that it's still alive and receiving updates, and there's still more dice coming out. The fourth edition rules that SFR put out breathe such wonderful new life. I mean, those Amazon abilities, whew, man, they took my Amazons to the top. But the reason why I love Dragon Dice I think is because there's a, a physicality to it that magic never had. I love the abstract representations of the initial four races. You had your dwarves, your goblins, and then lava elves and coral elves. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and they were in these brilliantly colored dice. I didn't even know how to play when I was, what, eight years old, first going into Bosco's comics in Eagle River, Alaska, finding these things. But... I still wanted to collect them. I wanted to hold them. They felt like toys, but also visited this same realm that Magic and Dungeons and Dragons were in. My love for this game has continued. It's persisted throughout my childhood and into my adulthood. I haven't always been a fully dedicated Dragon Dice player, but I have had intense passions where I've shown it to a friend and we've dived deep and then gone through that cycle again and again. 
it is undoubtedly one of the games that I am most attached to. Coming in at number eight, we have Seven Wonders Duel. Now, this game is here to represent the relationship that I have with my wife. I mean, we have a very positive relationship. It's not like we're dueling all the time, but I love how it facilitates this good-natured tension in a three-way tension between you and your opponent. Are you going to lean into military? Are you going to defend against their military prowess? Are you going to lean into science or just go straight for points trying to stall out the other two immediate victory conditions? And my wife and I, throughout the last 10 years in particular, have really used games as a way to facilitate our fund. It's our family time, and it's time in which we can safely, in a good-natured way, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with one another. We can match wits and celebrate our victories and feel bad about our defeats without having it actually spilled over into the rest of our lives. So it's a fantastic outlet, and it's brought us together, and I can't think of a better couples game that's designed for two players that mixes this intimate in-your-face aggression with an overall ease of play that doesn't necessarily feel to take that. I am all about Seven Wonders Duel. Now at number seven, we have Kinesia's The Lord of the Rings. Now I am a Lord of the Rings fanatic. I am way into Tolkien's work. You may have even seen that I've posted some poetry readings of Tolkien's work on this very channel, but if I were to pick any of the games that I most love that are set in the Lord of the Rings universe, yeah, I'd go with Kinesia's original co-op, one of the games that inspired Pandemic and inspired Shadows Over Camelot. Yeah, this was a foundational game that had rippling effects for our hobby for years to come because those two subsequent games were breakouts that really defined the hidden trader and cooperative genres. And without The Lord of the Rings, we might not have that. Now, it does look dated by today's terms. And yeah, there have been a lot of really skookum Lord of the Rings games that have come out since. But this one kind of understands the the nature of Tolkien's world a little bit better than most of the games since. It's not about all-out brawling. In fact, half the time you're running away. It's about collaboration and friendship, represented in a real abstract way because, hey, it's a Kinesi game. What are you going to do? And between that kitschy representation, some really lovely artwork, the fact that it has deep dives, like having the fifth character being Fatty Bulger, and that it kind of taps into an aspect of Tolkien's work that no other large Lord of the Rings or Middle-Earth game has really gotten since. I love it. Number six, we are getting new again, and we are getting to Root. Again, this is something that is getting into the, the, the things that I love most from my childhood, and I can't help but love. And one of those is that I was profoundly impacted by some of the paw and claw fantasy books that I read as a child. Of course, you're going to have the Redwall books, and I read a bajillion of Brian Jakes' Redwall books. There's also other things like Secret of Nim and Watership Down. And yet, 
even though there have been modern interpretations of this genre in this hobby, you have Everdell and Mice and Mystics, and there's been other properties out there like Mouse Guard, not only is a fantastic comic, but is an RPG, but nothing has really successfully executed on what I wanted that world to be like. The political machinations of that world, the relationships between all the different species and the underlying story that is emergent as you play with just enough background to really kind of inform you of what these characters are. Helps That Root is also an incredibly good game that is both equally charming and strategic, and so I can't help but love it. Number five, we don't need to spend too much time on this. It's cartographers. I mean, I already told you I'm a Lord of the Rings guy. You can tell that I'm a total geek from how I've been talking about these games. A game in which you are building a fantasy map, that is what I did when I should have been doing homework for the majority of my elementary and middle school career. So yeah, Cartographers, it's a fantastic game. It's easy to play with a load of people and it just has that intrinsic charm of making fantasy maps and making them your own and then putting some goblins in other people's maps. It's brilliant, it's great, it's lovely and it hits me right in the feels. Now with number four, we're starting to get into specific events in my life. And these are still games that I think are great games. I wouldn't be listing them at all if they weren't because that's part of what attracts me to them. I'm not going to have that essential fondness for a terrible game, but these games are not only good, but so, so elevated in my mind probably because of things that are so specific to me. So with number four, we have Eldritch Horror. Now this is the Mammothian, the beastly Lovecraftian cooperative game that if you know it, it takes up a huge amount of space. Now, if I'm going to get real personal here, when my wife was pregnant with our one and only son, it actually turned into a really scary experience where six weeks before his due date, she was committed to the hospital and she was bedridden. She was not allowed to move except to go to the bathroom. And I was a nervous wreck, but trying to be as supportive as possible. And it was 10 times harder on her. And she still had the delivery to look forward to. Now in the town that I live in, we don't exactly have a NICU for kids. And so there was this worry of if we can't sustain you until we get to 36 weeks, then we're going to have to medevac you out of our town, which added another sense of apprehension. My wife and I, being the good board gamers that we were, we distracted ourselves. We said, all right, you can't get out of your bed, but you can move your arms. So we are going to sit here in this hospital room and we're going to play a bunch of board games. And it just so happened that right about that time, we had gotten Eldritch Horror. Now, if you are in a hospital bed and you can't move around much, you don't have exactly a lot of table space to work with. But we found ways, and with the help of the nurses in our amazing maternity ward, we were able to assemble the, this amalgamation of tables around my wife so that we could successfully play this gigantic game and have an amazing time. 
We played tons of games, but this is by far the most memorable experience that we've had and something that we think about every time we play Eldritch Horror. And therefore, it is one of the games that will forever be in my collection because it is so intrinsically linked to such an exhausting and terrifying time in our lives that ended up becoming the best moment with a happy ending and having our amazing son. Now to get on to number three, well, I guess it's less of an endearing story, and so sorry, Mrs. The Cardboard Herald, but number three is Eclipse, because I have had a lot of fun playing it with my buddies over the last several years since Eclipse first came out. There's a specific group of guys that I've gotten together with to play this game, and it's one of those things that as you grow older, you realize how much harder it is to make adult friends. And it's also a lot of work to maintain adult friends and find time to spend with one another. And Eclipse has been one of those games that has been the, the facilitator, the event that gathers a specific group of friends together. Above that, it kind of represents so much more to me about gaming. It's everything that I love. It's expansive, but it's smart, and it's elegant and concise in some of the way that the rules are represented. In other ways, it's just buckwild and completely granular. I think it's the duality of Eclipse that I absolutely love. And as is with this list, it facilitated something in my life that... I have so many happy memories and I can text any number of these friends some line or something we said that, that calls back to a specific game and we're boom, right back there. It is just one of the pinnacles in my gaming life. Now number two is The Grizzled. I really like this game. I think it's a fantastic game, but it's also kind of what it represents. Thematically, it's uh, about survival against some of the most horrifying conditions that you could have through brotherhood and friendship and, and companionship and uh, sympathy and support for one another. The game is about soldiers and there's no aspect of it through which you are commanding these soldiers to fight. It's merely about how do these four friends see each other through a, a war, or I guess however many players that you're playing with. And it's even further elevated by the amazing Armistice edition that came out with the little miniatures, which are like little statues to represent Team U's artwork. Now, if you are familiar with Team U and the horrifying, horrifying Charlie Hebdo shooting that resulted in his death, his murder, then... That adds a, a, a depth, an emotional depth to the game and the background of the game that ties in into some specific ways the, the theme of the game. Not that I think that that should be glorified at all. It, it's absolutely tragic, but it adds a weightiness to an already weighty game. It, it came in at a specific time in my life and it's had a profound impact on me. It's one of the few games that I've ever played that's actually made me sit and reflect on my own values and what I look for in gaming and what I think is possible through gaming. It's an amazing game. It's a beautifully illustrated game and it is something that I, I, I can't help but feel an intense affection for.
Number one, after getting through some of these really weighty, weighty topics, we're going to bring it back to my childhood. Yeah, HeroQuest. How could it not be HeroQuest? If you've watched some of the stuff on this channel, you've heard me do interviews with people on this channel, you know that I have this, this intense love for HeroQuest as many people do. And yeah, there's a new hero quest that's coming and that's cool and everything. But the OG hero quest was something that opened up my mind as to what games could be. My dad was a divorced single dad raising two boys and my older brother, four and a half years older than me, and I were often having to entertain ourselves while he was at work. It's after school, he's at work, we gotta do something. He's at work, it's summer, we have the entire day, we gotta do something. And one of the things that we turned to was HeroQuest. And being the good older brother that my brother Brian was, he tended to be the evil Zauron more often so that he could facilitate me being the heroes. Maybe it was in part to beat up on me with a bunch of orcs, but I think he always let me get my foothold in there enough so that I could continue the adventure. Up until that point, I hadn't played much in the world of board games that that really expanded beyond the classics. You know, I'd played Scotland Yard and Risk and Stratego and that kind of stuff, and those seemed like the, the pinnacle of what gaming could be, right? And I had some understanding of other things out there, like Dungeons and Dragons. My brother had a couple of those books. And there were video games I would play, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and that kind of thing. But I had no idea that any of that could truly translate into a board game. And HeroQuest, when I was seven, eight years old, was something that just blew my mind open and facilitated my imagination like nothing else. We were making up our own adventures. We were following the existing adventures. We were making up our own characters. It just was such a fundamental shift for us and came at such a needed time in which we were vulnerable young boys who who needed something to hold on to and through hero quest we had the glue that held us together it is without a doubt my number one most sentimental game a game which i will hold on to forever that i'll love and cherish even if i know that it's dated and clunky and there's all kinds of things that could be fixed in future editions but None of that is really what impacts whether or not I love that game. So I hope that you have learned a little bit more about me through this list, and maybe this has given you some time to reflect on what some of your favorite games, the games that you are most sentimentally attached to for whatever reason, and if you have, then let me know down below what are some of those games and what are the reasons behind them. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for watching. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald. Remember, have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, safe New Year's, and let's all look forward to and take part in making a better 2021. Thank you so much. See you next year.